when you start to get mad about something or irritated or frustrated, then to like kind of put your face over your partners to say like, well, what would happen if I did that? And most times I can say like, I do the exact same thing. Maybe yeah. it's in a different way. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. I have been waiting for months for this product to come out and it's finally here, the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Focus Shot. Four Sigmatic has always believed in seeking energy through nutrient-dense foods, sleep hygiene, movement, and hydration. So when they came up with this product as an alternative to all those gnarly energy drinks that are out there, I was so excited. This is the first ready-to-drink product that promotes focus and energy without all the gnarly ingredients. You can sip half of the bottle of Lion's Mane and Guayusa with a powerful pineapple taste from only real ingredients. No artificial sweeteners or flavors are allowed. I can drink half of the bottle in the morning and then half in the afternoon, and it doesn't make me feel weird and jittery in the afternoon. Go to foursigmatic.com and use the promo code radicallyloved. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D to get a special discount on all the Four Sigmatic products. Back to our show. Hey listeners, we need your support. Help us by subscribing and rating to this podcast. Send us a snapshot of your review or comment and we will send you a very special Radically Loved gift. Send your comment to info at radicallyloved.com. You can also click on the show notes here on this podcast for more information. If you want to be part of our community, please click the link to our private Facebook group, on the show notes of this particular podcast so you can be the first to hear of upcoming trainings, retreats, and special Radically Loved events. Thanks so much for listening. Bianca Kalik and Michael Catherwood are one of the most inspiring couples that I know. They would be way too humble to admit that, but it's true. They have both been on the show individually. Bianca is a successful actress and Mike Catherwood is a producer and also host of several different radio shows. And one of the things that I get emailed about the most is relationship advice. Yes, I have been in a long-term relationship, but one of my favorite things about Bianca and Mike is their ability to really be honest and humble and 
down to earth with each other and have really great communication. Neither of them are afraid to share it out in the world. And this is the one major thing that I've found to be the most challenging in relationships. Our ability to be honest with ourselves and sometimes our ability to be honest with the person that we're in a relationship with. So if you're in a relationship or if you're single, I really think that this conversation will be of huge value. I really love both of these human beings individually and especially together. And I'm really excited to have them as our official love experts. Here's Bianca Kalik and Michael Catherwood. <laughs> Sorry, I started laughing because I'm like, we got the relationship experts in the house now, you guys. The Radically Loved Radio official relationship experts. Woo-hoo. Woo! I need a clap track. I keep saying that. I need to add one. I like that we're relationship experts and we've both been divorced. <laughs> that, is, that makes us. That makes you the relationship experts. I guess so. Expert. I've been down both roads. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, but that's really good. I mean, it's apropos to everything I want to talk about today. So, um, Mike and Bianca are going to share with us their uh, tried and true all their keys to success and they're going to help all of you guys out there create the best relationship you ever had or we could just hear about you know their dirty laundry because we're all going to talk about shit that's happened to our relationships so sure (laughs) if anything it's just going to be a a good fun fun conversation (laughs) or game (laughs) so one of the things that I find um well, I'm like selfishly going to ask questions about myself. I'm like, maybe I need relationship advice and that's why you guys are here. Um, you guys have both been in previous relationships before, obviously. And one of the things that we get a lot on the show, we get a lot of people emailing about, uh, they find the show because it's called radically loved. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times people think, Oh, this is a show about, it's a show about love. And it's like, essentially it is, but it's, it's more encompassing of, of just radical love as a whole and as uh, how to be awakened to it within yourself and live a radically loved life. But for the people that are listening that are looking for more of relationship type of love, I think it'd be really great for us to just have a conversation about the things that work and the things that don't work. That way we can answer some uh, listener questions. Right. Yeah? Yeah, in. So... One of the things, and we can start off like this, and I'd like to hear from both of you, is um, if you could, if you could think of three things that a relationship must have, like what are the top three, and you guys can differ in answers. You want to go first? Top three things: respect for each other's privacy. That's good. Um, I think you know, far especially when people are younger teens and 20s and stuff you think that like everything has to be shared every and you you've got to go on every single outing has to be together and everything that's going on in every in each other you know mutual lives has to be shared with and and the reality is is that you're two separate people and i think respecting that is obviously a lot is shared in a healthy relationship but respecting that you're different people and that you have your own lives um i think that's important um Mutual self-love, because I, I try really hard to, to like, quote-unquote, care for Bianca, but it's really difficult to uh, be a devoted partner in a really intimate way. 
if you're having trouble even wrapping your head around loving yourself. So I think both oh, yeah. both people have to, really, you know, and the old adage is you can't love someone until you learn to love yourself. I don't think that that's true. You could lo- I loved the shit out of Bianca before I learned how to, you know, I really did. I, it was actually, so it was sometimes easier because I could be uh, totally divorced from my own self-interest mm. and just devote myself to, to someone else. And I, I, I'm oftentimes that way with my daughter. But um, I do think that it, it, it's helpful to get really deep uh, connection with another person in a romantic way and also in a platonic way when you're, you're comfortable in your own skin. Um, and then I would say being, being open and clear about stuff that bothers you. Oftentimes I'd swallow a lot of stuff that would bug me just because I feel like I didn't want to rub her the wrong way. But then it, then you just get bitter and angry about it and it ends up building up and then you explode and in, in somewhere down the line. So it's better to just nip that in the bud right out of the gate. You know, you can do that. You might, you know, you might incur the wrath when you do it, but it's better than just getting resentment. Right. Yeah. So just being open and honest about... Where you're at, essentially, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I got, like guys do that, where they they, they just keep quiet about it. Yeah, and stuff that really bugs them. Yeah, and then it just ends up becoming worse in the long run. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. My turn. I need to suffer through that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, definitely, um, a willingness to be vulnerable. And I feel like that's something that gets a little, I don't, you know, I I have to say like until Mike and I really started working on our relationship as a team, I didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. You hear people say that all the time, like, um, because I think for the most part, most of us don't even realize that we're holding each other at arm's length. I don't think that we, I don't think that we can recognize because um, we've become so accustomed to protecting ourselves and our feelings. We've done it our whole life um, that we we don't even know what it means to be completely uh, revealed and kind of naked, so to speak, in front of each other. Um, and so, you know, and I think that kind of goes into the next one, which is the willingness to be wrong in order to be close. Mm-hmm which doesn't mean that your partner gets to be right. It just means that like, we're not battling it out to be right. So, you know, I've noticed that in a lot of our arguments or discussions, which they, they've more become disca- discussions, which is kind of a beautiful transition, Yes, um, is that so many of the times before when we were arguing about something, I was fighting to defend my turf instead of looking at it as we're on the same side and we're, and we're absolutely going after the same thing. Um, and in relationship, a lot of times it can feel like you're going against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this idea that like, it's not about being right. I think there's an old saying that's like, um, do you want to be right or do you want to be close? Um, so I think, you know, I've noticed that that alone has made a huge impact in our relationship. Um, and the third thing is, you know, really, I think the most important is to trust each other's intentionality and mm-hmm. to, I think it's so easy when somebody does something that feels hurtful or even like, I mean, 
I get frustrated sometimes. Like, I mean, this is such a small example, but I, but I would be like, you know, his side of the room has clothes all over it. And I feel myself start to get so, you know, pissy about it. And then I look and it like, my side of the room looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's like, okay. So I think it's, I think it's really like when you start to put your, um, like when you start to get mad about something or irritated or frustrated, then to like kind of put your face over your partners to say like, well, what would happen if I did that? And most times I can say like, I do the exact same thing. Maybe yeah. it's in a different way. Um, but when I trust that we're both here really doing the best that we can with the limited tools that we've brought here, um, you know, I can see through the defensiveness or I can see through the, the anger or I can see through whatever's coming up to understand like we've come to this relationship with different languages and when we're trying to communicate in those different languages, it can be really hard to understand what the other per person is saying. But when you really do trust that it's coming from a place of love, you can see the, the, the words and the actions so differently. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're that that's so true. A lot of the time with the intentionality and being able to trust the other person. And you guys have both spoken about this even in the past, even in your individual interviews that I've done with, with both of you guys, um, being able to just be open to the idea or the fact that you, you're, you might be wrong, right? Yeah. And I really like that because I feel like anytime there's a relationship um, when you're trying to prove a point and there's two people, you know, um, defending their turf, like you said, what is it, what happens in a relationship? And I guess you can apply this into family as well and into friendships when we feel like we're, we're battling, like, what is that whole idea of the battle? Right. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Totally. Like it's the battle of, or in a relationship or we're in, we're in, we're in a, we're at war right now, or, you know, we're having a, a we have a friends that are really close to us that are going, uh, through a custody battle right now, right. you know? Yeah. And to me, it's like, you guys can find the commonality with, you know, you guys have a daughter, they have a daughter. It's like, it's for the betterment of your child. You know, why can't, why can't you guys just focus on this or the betterment of the relationship as a whole? That's the common ground. You, you, you love somebody, you want them to be happy. Why can't, why is it so hard for us to realize that we're on the same team, I guess? What do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, we subconsciously choose partners that will trigger those deepest wounds in us. I mean, I think that it's, it's really kind of a beautiful, there's a beautiful poetry to it when you really look at it and realize you do tend to pick the people that most align. I mean, you can't, you can't look at like the first couple of months of a relationship because that's just the, the dopamine high and everything's right. awesome. And then, you know, every, you're in a relationship <laughs> with yourself the yes. first couple of months. So right? maybe you're like yeah. looking in a mirror, like yeah. gazing starry eyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, you almost don't even see who you're dating because you've got them built up so much with all the expectation and all of the what ifs and this could be or and then what happens is like the those actual hormone levels start to drop and we start to actually see the person as they are and then we're like wait a minute I, 
this isn't what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, you know, now having been through some real work with Michael and then looking back after doing this work at my previous relationships, I realized the same issues always came up. Mm-hmm. And that if it were to have not worked out with Michael, which I think we were on a road to that being the case um, before we both really, I think, courageously stood stood up together and said, we got to, we got to get in here and get our hands dirty and figure out what's going on. Um, I think we would have been destined for the same fate as many of my previous relationships and, and Michael's previous relationships too. But I think what happens in most cases is that we are all triggered and what comes up isn't in fact what's happening with the person that's in front of us, but what our old stories are. And so the defenses aren't even actually about what's happening right now with, you know, you standing across from me and we're in this, with this battle. It's what's happening inside of me that all my old stories are coming up. You know, I know, um, like for me, one thing that I became really aware of that I was doing with Michael is that um, an old story of mine is that when someone is silent, that means I did something wrong. And so... Um, because the silent treatment was something that was used in my past. And so if there was silence, then I immediately got angry because I was like, this isn't my fault. And then I got defensive. Which had to be torture for her because if I'm silent, that just means I'm awake. (laughs) Because I talk for a living. I I really don't like to come home. I mean, people probably assume, uh, you know, when I hear... And I'm not in any way comparing myself uh, to to the greatest of all time, but I hear I hear Stern talk about it all the time about how people have an assumption of what you must be like in privacy, and the reality is it's it's quite different. You know, when you you're a broadcaster, when you host things, you talk, you have conversations oftentimes with people that you don't you wouldn't necessarily want to have conversations with. You're just you do it for a living. Right. But but also there, I mean. Michael's been really open about his struggle with depression and um, with recovery. And so, you know, a lot of times he's just dealing with his own crap. Yeah. Um, but then something would come up between us and the, and the you know, whatever last couple of days of him being in this space, I would just read into it. And then I would get defensive and then he would get defensive in response to my defensiveness. And then we were in a war. And we started to realize, you know, you really have to, um, our therapist always says you have to mind your mind. Um, and anytime there is a a rush of strong emotion in your body, um, it's not about what's going on in the present. It's what's coming up from the past. Sometimes maybe what's coming from fear of what will happen in the future. But for the most part, you're not even dealing with your partner. You're dealing with the, all the baggage that you're carrying behind you that yeah. you've dragged into this relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird because I heard her talking about how you're, you you guys both agreed in the beginning of a relationship. You're in this hormone, this hormonal bliss, and everything seems so right. And then somewhere down the line, you're like, "Wait, this isn't what I signed up for." When you start to see all the negatives. I don't want to speak for all guys, but for most guys, it's quite the opposite. Oh. Where... No, but it's true. He's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, every girl is just like, it's just another girl, and it's only a matter of time before I stop talking to her. <laughs> and, the, you know, like, every girl is like, you're physically attracted to, <laughs> you're physically attracted to this person, and so you want to ride that out till as best you can. <laughs> then you start to have feelings for, for her, and you're like, wait a second, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> I actually really like this person, and I hope... 
you know, I'm just, so I have, funny. I have this connection with her. And that's not you. I always used to say on Loveline, every girl, every girl that a guy dates is Mrs. Wrong until he finds out otherwise. Every guy you, a girl gets into a relationship with is always she's Mr. Right until A, B, and C starts to happen. You're like, wait a second, what am I doing? Right. You know? Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that in, in relationships too, because you, you don't, you don't really know. I think relationships really serve as our own, uh, spiritual journey because these are people that come into your life to make you a better person and you really learn. You hope so. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the idea. Well, and so like for, for both of you, you both have been divorced before you've mm-hmm. been in relationships before coming into this relationship, you obviously have, you had learned, you know, like you were saying, yeah. thing, things about yourselves. What was the biggest lesson that you came in with to this relationship? I mean, to be honest, I don't know that I came in with any lessons. The lessons I've definitely learned within this relationship. I came in with a lot of pre- preconceived notions of what I thought I had learned, but now... Um, you know, I'll own it. I, I made a lot of things Michael's fault in our relationship. And especially once you have a kid, everything just gets heightened and exacerbated. And it's like, you know, you can go downhill in a hurry. Um, because it's easy to do, you know, to stick up for Bianca. You could try to be super dad, but it, nothing compares to the amount of burden that's on the mom. You know, there's just so much more asked of the mother and, you know, especially in the first couple years of the child's life, it's overwhelming the amount of burden that a mother is under to try to rear children. Um, and like I said, you could try your hardest as a dad to, to be committed. It just doesn't compare, though. You know, women are just under such stress. Well, and I, and I think, you know, really, for me, the takeaway in, in all of this, and we're still on this awesome journey together, and I, I mean... I couldn't be more grateful to have such an open and willing partner because he, I mean, we've witnessed, you know, several, several friends go through some things where I'm like, oh, I got, I hit the jackpot. Like, <laughs> I really, I really got this, the guy that shows up and is willing, yeah. you know, and wants to do the work um, and, and wants to take that deep, long look at himself, which is really what's required. It's not about looking at your partner and thinking these are the things I need to fix or change, which I think is what we all think at first. It's like, you're not making me happy. Right. So what do you need to do differently so that I can be happy? Right. Um, And I read this great article, which is like, we've been told this massive lie that relationships are a means to our happiness and that this person is supposed to make us happy. And that's BS. We're responsible for our own journey. um, And, really the relationship is there to expose the ways in which we make ourselves unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, and I also feel like it's the best barometer we have to how we can show up for other people and how we can be of service. And I think that ultimately that's really what leads to that happiness and that fulfillment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the, the biggest lesson I've learned outside of relationships, just in life, as I've gotten older, um, and man, how many times have, has everyone said this? Older people, self-help gurus, whatever it may be, they tell you that you know, money and materialism and and achievement 
is not going to fill that void that you have. It's just not going to. You're going to and you're going to end up uh, with just a larger void or chasing some after the, this kind of hedonic adaptation. You're just going to continue to seek larger and bigger. The being of service is really the only thing that kind of um, really makes you feel complete. And it really is like the only thing that separates us from all the other animals in the animal kingdom is that we, we have this for no other reason other than to just uh, to be of service to each other. We do things. Mm -hmm. um, it's not for survival. It's not for, for uh, any type of function other than to just help each other. Um, and that's really like the most rewarding thing that, that a human can do. And, but it takes like, it's really hard. It's really hard to learn that lesson. And now I think it's even worse with social media. Oh yeah. It's really hard because you want, I mean, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I want to put up those pictures on Instagram about how amazing my life is, but you don't, you can't really put up pictures of being of service. You know, you, you know, you can put your vacation in Fiji, but it's not about, it doesn't, it doesn't really broadcast what really matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just, uh, on to your guys's both point, And one of the things I admire about both of you is that I think that you guys do a really good job with posting things that are real and, Thank and you, you guys often talk about real things and, and essentially, I mean, that's just who you guys are, you know, yeah. as, as people. And, and I think that, you know, that, that is why for, you know, people like me or even people that listen to this podcast, like they're really interested in, um, people that are willing to do the work to live an authentic life. Yeah. Right. And I think that ultimately at some point, those people that just care about the facade yeah. will come to a place like this or listen or pull this podcast up or listen to, or follow you guys and, and really see what that looks like right. right and it's not like you're trying to portray this you know again this life that's not real it's like yeah all of those facets are real but the reality is that all of those things take work and you have to be willing to to be able to to get into that um so thank you guys both for sharing that do you guys want to answer some questions from the audience absolutely yes. all right here we go so um this one is i i really liked this one and um i'm just curious to what you guys think is there in relationships is there a deal breaker and if so at what point do you break the deal yeah i mean i think really uh, i don't know what it is for each relationship it, it varies Relationships, you know, relationships are, it's, it's exactly like diet. Everyone always has questions about it and everyone's super interested in how to do it right. But the reality is, <laughs> the reality is, is that it's completely different for each person. There's no, yeah. there's no textbook answer. Right. Um, and I think that that feeds this pe people's desire to constantly keep looking for more information on like, how do I find Mr. Right? How do I, how do I know to, how do I treat her properly? And the reality is, is like, it's completely different. I don't, my deal breakers, I don't even, I mean, I wouldn't even be able to put my finger on them, but Lord knows if, if someone's consistently breaking the deal breaker, <laughs> that's a bad sign. You might want to just go ahead and move on. You know, there. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. You know, for me, I, I saw that question and I, I actually emailed 
to get a little bit more insight. And um, the listener was just, you know, giving me an example of um, a repetitive situation. And right. it's like, yeah, but I think that the deals are are going to be different. I totally agree with you. They're going to be different for people. And in a sense, I feel like, you know, it, it really depends on the level of where you're at in the relationship and what it means. And it's like a deal breaker could be, you know, his side of the room's messy and it yeah. freaks me out, you know, or it could be like this person has a substance abuse problem. Right. I think yeah. the the, yeah. the difference that you got to really narrow down is this, the deal breaker has to be a deal breaker of the soul. Mm. It can't be a deal. It can, behavioral deal breakers are kind of bullshit. Yeah. I like agree. if, I mean, I know for me, a big deal breaker quote unquote would be chewing with your mouth open, <laughs> but you can talk about that. Like that doesn't, but not, doesn't with, not with food in your mouth. It doesn't make you, but just not with food in your mouth. <laughs> It doesn't make you a bad person. That's a behavior. It's a habit. And that can be worked on. If someone's racist, you know, and that's your deal breaker, you go ahead and that might, that's, break, that, that, break that deal. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, for me, it comes down to, a, you know, to is it is it unsafe? Is, are we in a situation that's okay. unsafe? And if somebody is exhibiting behavior that is unsafe repeatedly without any desire to get help, um, I think that's a deal breaker. And, you know, I, I will say that I definitely suffered from up into this relationship, that idea that like, if you're doing something I don't like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. And unfortunately, I think that's... But why is that wrong? Well, let's... Uh, because, well, here, I, I, that's a good point. But I think you have to ask yourself, why are you getting in a relationship then? And I think maybe that's what the, the real question is, is what do you want out of your relationship? And if you want to have, you know, the perfect little Instagram account with all the pictures of your family and all the lovely little places you visit and all of those, you know, best of moments, um, you're probably going to have to have a lot of partners because I think you're going to eventually get to a place with everybody where it's not good enough. Right. If you're getting to a relationship for what I think relationship is meant for, I mean, you have to remember marriage came about as a means to control people and for land ownership mm -hmm. rights. So yeah, that's right. marriage itself is not really, I mean, that was built by human beings. Yeah. The idea of being in relationship, I think, is is timeless. And I think the real reason is because it's where our true growth happens. Yeah. Um, I think if you really want to get to the meat of who you are and and what your soul is about, stay in a relationship and yeah. fight for it and do the work. Yeah. Um, if someone's being unsafe you know then maybe it's time to step back and yeah people don't trust themselves enough to i mean i'm guilty of it as well as like every relationship there's going to be problems and you everyone tells themselves when you're going through those trouble oh no this this girl this guy it's worth it's worth the rub you know the the juice is worth the squeeze and i'm going to push forward but somewhere in the back of your mind there's that voice that tells you it's like no it's not but you push forward anyway like be people need to be honest with themselves. It's so much harder to just rip that bandaid off and deal with it then. But in the in the long run, it, it works out. I mean, I know I, I've I fought to keep relationships together that I knew weren't like she wasn't the right person for me. Well, and I I think that that's the, that's why we date. Like yeah. I think that's what what's date what dating is about. And maybe yeah. the maybe part of the issue is that. 
people are making commitments to somebody before they really know who they're committing to. Right. So it's a different, you know, I think we said that earlier, it's different the level of like, if you're dating someone versus you've committed to this person, whether that be saying we're partners or we're in marriage or whatever it is, um, you know, I dated a lot and I am glad I did because I got a lot out of my system. Well, that is, I want to ask just now a a question outside of this because I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. We, so there's this, I don't know if it's new or not. I've been in a relationship for 15 years. You know, Tori and I have been together forever. Yeah. Um, there's this new like polyamorous thing that people are doing. They're like doing this, like multiple partners and falling in love with different people or with like, you know, being in a relationship with like two people that you're in love with. And to me, and this is my personal opinion, and I've had conversations. In fact, I've had, you know, people on the podcast that have been in those kinds of relationships and this idea, and I speak for a very, uh, small, maybe not, I have no idea. Uh, this certain group of people that say that, being in a polyamorous relationship um, creates a more mindful and conscious awareness about being in a relationship. Therefore, it's their way to becoming more evolved. For me, I'm like, why can't it be the opposite? And in fact, yeah. being in a monogamous relationship, therein lies the work because you can't just run away and go be with the other person you're in love with that's not getting on your nerves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to be able to work through these things because essentially that is where that is where that that journey and that path and that that catalyst happens for your own uh, growth as as a person or as we, right? You become the we as opposed to just you and me, the individual. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah. And so I'm curious to hear if, if it's something that you guys have heard or like there's this new absolutely I mean, thing happening. I have friends that that are into that. And I mean, getting back to the analogy of comparing it to diet, if that's what works for you. I know people that have 20 carbs a day and they're they're really healthy. And I know people that live on fruit. And that works for them. You know, they're vegans and some guys eat nothing but meat. You can't, I, I can't put my finger on what's right for someone else. I mean, I, I can't imagine trying to invest, really invest myself into numerous people. It's been so difficult just to deal with Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine trying to spread myself that thin. Some people, uh, biologically, the way that you know, the way that they were encultured, everything works out for them to be in a polyamorous relationship, and I just know that I I mean I can't even wrap my head around how that would work for me. I mean, do you think it's sustainable though? That that's really my question. I think look, as long as no one's getting hurt, I know that I would be hurting people if I if I was like because I I'm just not up to the take call, but. I, I, I got to say, I mean, I, I, I know people that do it and do it seemingly very well. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I'm a big monogamy fan, but at the same time, you ask the question, is it sustainable? Well, 57% of marriages aren't sustainable. Yeah, so, you know, it, 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 yeah. what, who, who are we to, right. to comment? Hey, they might have it figured out with the sustainable. Yeah. Right, so right. I, I think my only concern, and it's, it's, only my concern in my head because they clearly don't care what anyone thinks and they're doing their own thing. Um, or maybe they do, but, um, I, I totally agree with Mike in that to each his own and everybody has to, I mean, life is difficult enough. I think 
if you've decided that you want to try something and you're committed to that path, more power to you. I mean, we, we do know a couple of people do it. And um, one of the couples is very open about it. Um, you know, Aubrey Marcus, he has a, a, a podcast. Yeah, and he's yeah. been on the show. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and he op- he's openly discussed it. And he brings up some really interesting points. And I actually... Um, think that he is somebody is maybe suited for this because yeah. it sounds like the kind of work that he wants to do on himself. Um, he's really willing to go there and to confront the pain and the. Yes. For me personally, there's enough of a of of a story and baggage around trust that I think for me I already witness myself um, when something gets you know, intense or uncomfortable in our relationship that I want to flee the scene. And, um, and so part of my journey with Michael has been really committing to that. This is my person for the rest of, of this life in this body. And I'm going to stay here and sit with those. That's what brings up the uncomfortable yeah. feelings for me. Yeah. So I, you know, I think like everybody's story is different. And, you know, if, if, Maybe down the road they'll figure out that doesn't work for them. I don't know. But my only concern would be surrounding children and if the, and the decision to have kids. Because I think maybe that sort of a setup would work back in the day when we were tribal people. And you were literally in community um, with, a, with a, yes, with a whole tribe. And that children were literally raised as a group. And everyone was there to support each other. And in fact, I know, you know, in indigenous areas that is still the case that they are are, are polyamorous uh, and that they have multiple wives and it works um that's not the modern society that we live in and so i don't really know how it would work with kids because mm-hmm. i do believe that kids require the stable structure um of a, and a foundation to to grow up really feeling that they have a safe and secure attachment to the people that are in their life mm. okay Thank you guys. Yeah, I was curious. I It's something that has come up in the past and Aubrey has been on the show and we've talked about this at length. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. No, he makes some great points and we actually had this full conversation um, about, you know, and he says, look, this isn't for everyone. And he's always been very transparent mm-hmm. about like this. He's like, people out there listening, this isn't for everyone. Like, this is something that has been my path and it works for me and it works for us. And, and I think it's great. You know, I think yeah. it's, but not everybody is Aubrey Marcus. But yeah, yeah. And to his point, marriage isn't for everybody. That's true. Yeah. And having kids is not for everybody, yeah. you know, and there, I think to stick up for the idea of polyamory or, or, or living a non-monogamous life, Anything that would be considered alternative to the the norm. Um, far too many people subscribe to the norm because they feel like it's what they're supposed to do, mm. even though it's not at all what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I know plenty of guys that are fathers and husbands, and when I talk to them when their wives and kids aren't around, I'm like, this guy has no business having children, has no business being a husband. He should have been that guy who was a eternal bachelor and that would have been a lot better off for him he's far too devoted to his job he's far too devoted to 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 side poontang whatever it may be but (laughs) my point is the first time anyone's ever said poontang i'm definitely keeping that in well you have mike Mike to thank um but you know so obvious point was it's not for everybody 
everything is not for everybody. That's you know? yeah. It, yeah, you're it, right. It, you're like, right. You're right. There's what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. And hence why uh, both Bianca and Mike are the experts on this show, giving us all the relationship <laughs> advice. In my opinion, they got it figured out. You might not think so, but uh, you know what? We have you fooled. Yeah. Um, you can't be all things to all people. That's right. another thing. Right? Yeah. So, all right, getting back to the listeners, we'll have a couple more of these. Uh, what is the biggest lesson your partner has taught you? <laughs> Do you want to go first? No. <laughs> um, the biggest lesson that Mike has taught me is to really take stock of what is important to me. I think that it's very easy, especially with social media and just 24 hour news and craziness in our faces to lose sight of at your core, what you really want. Um, and I think that, you know, so many times I find myself caught up in what I should be doing, um, or what I, or how I should be, how I should present myself. Um, and I think that when I, when I really started to sit down and simplify it with Michael, everything across the board in our life. What, what are the really, what are the necessities? Um, and I think it in times of darkness, in times of strife and, um, fear to really look at what are the, what are the things that truly bring you joy? What are, you know, I think about my daughter and I think about Michael, I think about the bond that we have, our little triangle family, um, that we have a roof over our heads. Um, that we have friends and family who would be concerned if something happened to us. And really, you know, when I get irritated in Michael as a partner, it's never about those things. And so really, I think when I am honest with myself, I can say that I'm creating things to be uh, upset about or to um, have you know, negativity, mm -hmm. um, around me. And I, and I, so I think that there's this real, um, lesson for me in that pay attention to how much you are moving towards creating drama in your life. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes that's, again, another thing we think is normal. Um, and you know, and it doesn't come from a completely irrational place because, from an evolutionary standpoint, you survived if you thought the negative thought that the tiger was in the bush. If yeah. you didn't think that, then you were eaten. So from, from a survival standpoint, we had to be negative thinkers, but we've moved beyond that now. It's no longer required. And I and so, so really, I think um, to just take stock of what's here and what's truly essential um, to, my, to my daily contentment and peace and joy. And so. Thank you. Um, for me, the biggest thing Bianca has taught me is uh, to, to really be concerned with my own needs and well-being. You know, I, I came from an environment that everything was, like the idea of being the man in the house was just, you work your fingers to the bone and whatever mom wants to do is what's happening, whatever mom wants to buy and wherever we, she wants to go to dinner, everything is about you just provide 
access to whatever is needed, and, but really the woman dictates who, when, what, and, and how happy things life, are going to be done. Happy life. Yeah, yeah I mean, it really like was about... It's perfect. You did really, get the jackpot. <laughs> it was really all about that. And, it, what, you know, and, and um, you just did, I always would defer to her. And, and silently, I'd want what I want. And I, I'd have my own needs, my own desire. And, um, you know, I, I, she taught me through, you know, I still struggle with it, but she taught me that it, I'm of no use to my wife and my daughter if I'm not making myself happy. If I don't speak up for myself, if I'm silently tortured by the smallest things, yeah. um, it's not helping anybody. Um, it's really speak up for myself to value myself to value my own feelings to value my own wants and desires yeah that's uh you know this is the the reality of i mean because like i said I, I came from like this al bundy world where it was like oh i'm just a miserable man <laughs> I, I can't be right about uh, how to decorate the house or how to you know i just go to work and keep your mouth shut and keep everybody happy that's your job you know well and i just to to add on to that i think it's risky right now because there's this female empowerment and it's a beautiful thing. But if we squash our men and we, and we contain the masculine energy in them that is so needed to balance everything, um, we're going to end up with a, with the same problem on the other side. Right. Um, and, and we, we need our, we need our guys. We need our, our and, and even if it's a, a same-sex relationship, there is always, usually, um, I know it's not the rule, but a masculine energy and, and a feminine energy. And um, the masculine needs to be made to matter yeah. uh, and needs to feel that it has purpose and that um, there is a place and a voice for it. Um, and, you know, again, you cannot ignore where we come from and the typically the masculine in, in in back in tribal days they went out and they provided and that's ingrained in our DNA this need to be able to stand up and have um, a purpose. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's it's oh, we've got a friend here, and you guys, and I can totally hear it. In the <laughs> <laughs> um, so hopefully they'll yeah he'll settle down. Um, we need to have that balance. We always have to have the the uh, feminine and the masculine energy, and I totally agree. And I think that um, hopefully in, in this uh, awakening of uh, equality, we can remember to keep empowering our strong men in our worlds and in, in life. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah. I don't know why we think, and this is with everything that we think just because we want to uplift and empower women, we have to then diminish the Yeah, men. diminish men. I, yeah. I don't understand that. That's I, I, beyond the scope. I of... think that gets publicized. I don't think that everyone by and large is feeling that way. You know, it makes for great headlines on, yeah. you know, HuffPost and, and, yeah. and makes for great tweets. But I don't think that, by and large, uh, women are out to diminish masculine energy or men as a whole. Um, but, you know, it, I also don't think that the lion's share of men are looking to restrain women. Um, it's uh, quietly things are working themselves out and, and we're coming closer and closer to a nice power balance. But that that's not the way, like, media would 
portray it. You know, right. it just is, it's not as interesting. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like they want to be able to have people. It's clickbait, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Two more questions. Uh, do you guys have any daily musts for each other? For each other, meaning I, I must make sure that she does A, B, and C or vice versa. Yeah. Like what is your must? Like your partner must make the bed. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't have to be like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, you I'm, must. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Yeah. But I, um, I think for us, Bianca must let me exercise. Yes, that is a must. Absolutely. Yeah. He, I mean, sometimes it's so it's crazy. Sometimes he'll fight it, and um, I'll be like, you, because it'll be like, I don't want to leave you and you with Magnolia by yourself, you know, when it's supposed to be a family day together. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. You're a better person for us when you have gone and done your thing. Um, so that is a must. Yeah. I'm a, I, you know, I'm just a, a hyper person and, um, I, I, I'm overly hyper and there's gotta be balance in life. Uh, Lord knows it's like a skilled yogi. You understand that you got to provide balance for yourself emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. And, and physically, and uh, there's those kids that they had to go to recess or else they couldn't be in class. And I'm, I'm, I'm that kid. I need, I need, if I don't, if I don't tire myself, physically exhaust myself, I, I won't be able to focus at all. I won't, I'm just too flighty. I'm too um, uh, hyperactive. So it, it's, it's kind of crucial that she allowed me to do that, I, I think. Yeah, it's nice. And yeah. I, I must have some physical connection of some sort, oh. I, whether it's a pinch on the tushy, I don't care. There's something where it's like, oh, hey, you're here. You're here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really tough for me, too. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, really? uh, obviously, I mean, I'm not going to be coy about it. The, the sexual physical expression is it's no problem for most guys. But like giving her little hugs here and there, holding her hand, uh, just grabbing her, like she said, grabbing her tushy on, on the way into the kitchen. <laughs> Anything where I physically show affection to her, it's just, it's not, it's not where I come from. Mm -hmm. It's not, I, I told, it's totally um, foreign, that idea. So, you know, I, I think I'm doing my part if I, if the sexual aspect's there and I tell her I love her, which I do, um, I feel like I've done, uh, what, what, what do you want from me? I'm doing my part, but she needs that physical expression and, and, um, it, 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 I understand that I'm aware of it, and so I do. I try my best to do it, but it's not. It's, it's not, not natural. It's yeah, not an, it, part of your way of being, I guess. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. I mean, I sound like such a, a, a no, callous person, not, but no, it's no. it's abnormal for yeah. me. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because Tori's the same way. He wasn't. He wasn't raised. You know, he just wasn't in that. He's the same exact way. There's no like. He'll go like. The romantic thing I always laughed because I love it now, but it's like he'll go put like change the oil or like right. change it, you know. And it's like that's where he sees it. It's like I'm protecting you, making sure that you're totally. taking care of that. And that to and him guys is, love that. Yeah, guys love that. Like if you if you tell a man, can you do this for me? Oh, it's like catnip, you know. Oh, <laughs> I really need my Case car washed. Point. I really need my car washed. I really well, need. You need you to weed outside. Yeah. Knowing that you're useful and, and like being told how you could be useful and then being able to and follow through in that to, regard. Yeah. That's like catnip for guys. Yeah. You know? it, but and, this is a huge, a huge point to be made about relationship. 
somewhere along the way, most of us, I feel like, got this idea that if you love me, you should know oh, what I yeah. what I need. You yeah. should know what I want. And that is bullshit. Yeah, yeah that's old-fashioned Cosmo magazine. It's yeah. totally Cosmo magazine. Men are not, are not psychics. But also women. I also think that we think that because we want things a certain way, that's, that's the way our man wants it too. And I swear, one of the best things you can ever do for your relationship is... I mean, make some, make a fun night of it or something, but sit down and write a list of this is what I need to feel loved from you and then give it to each other and then pin that sucker somewhere and then do those things. And you would, I mean, Mike knows from now from experience that like when he does that, because I think in our relationship and I don't know how it is in other people's and I don't know that this is necessarily just a masculine feminine thing. But like for Mike to feel close, he needs sex. For me to feel close and to feel to want to have more sex, I need to feel loved. Right. And so they're they're like at odds with each other. It's right. like, you know, I need I can't go from zero to sixty. Right. And I need a, a warm-up. I need there to be love put yeah. in the bank all day long. And yeah. then it's like, and then it explodes and it's awesome oh, at yeah. the end. But, you know, we had to learn that about each other because we were at odds and it was really like ending disastrously for us because there was like nothing happening because each of us was in our corner being like, when's he coming over here? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so that's so good. Because I think that it's apropos to the last question on here is how like what do you find to be the most romantic thing for you and what is romance and how can we speak to it on a grander scale for people that are listening? Ooh. Mm. (laughs) He's like, I don't like this question. (laughs) Well, no. Well, so I'll answer. So Tori and I have this conversation all the time. Give me some time to like think about it. But like I said, for Tori, something wrong. Look, he's a romantic guy. Like we'll we'll do things and we've been together for a long time and, and I like the fact that he you know, puts an extra roll of toilet paper as it's finishing on the toilet. You know what I mean? Like for him, he's not being like, oh, this is how I'm going to like lure you into the bedroom. But it's, it's those little things that I can see that in the past I didn't even acknowledge. I was just like, oh, that's just normal. Like, of course you're supposed to do that, you know? Right. But in seeing that he really takes the time and the, the care to do those things for me. Yeah. He's not doing it just because like, oh, that's just the way that, things have to be is doing it for me yeah at that point then it changed the whole perspective on those little things that he does because I'm like oh he's doing that for me yeah I think that's totally it I think that romance is being seen um and and feeling and witnessing that your partner is doing something that they know you like and you know I, I because for me and then when it starts to become a part of the routine and it starts to become a part of your journey where that person is showing up and doing that thing more and more and more. It's like, you know, we, we all have odd things that we like and odd things that mean something to us. And even in our sexuality, we all have different ways in which we're turned on. And so I think from the littlest thing to, um, the biggest thing you know, in one of my previous relationships, I remember um, for Valentine's Day, uh, my my partner didn't get me anything, which whatever. At the, now at this point, I'm like big deal. But I was like, it's Valentine's Day, and he's like, it doesn't mean anything to me. And I was like, but it means something to me. <laughs> like, 
that's it doesn't you don't just think about yourself in a relationship you look at what the other person wants so you know I think for me like what romance is in our relationship is um when when Mike takes the time to check in with me to connect with me when I am I mean the most romantic thing he could ever do and does now is when I'm in a bad mood where I want to like eat the world and it's like everyone's running from the hills screaming away from me and he barges into the fire he comes right in and meets it and I'm like oh my hero like it's just so sexy to me when I I have to put on like a hurt locker (laughs) but I do it that's it's awesome. so hot. It's like you can you can stand up to my meltdown, mm-hmm. and you can and 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 root. He roots himself in the earth and making it so much more romantic and dramatic than it actually is. But like he's there for me, and he's yeah. like, this doesn't scare me. This yeah. this little show you're putting on, I know what's underneath it. It's the hurt little girl who does, is not getting her way, mm-hmm. and I'm here for that. And and I really believe like in all of relationships, that's all that we want is someone to show up and say, I'm here for this. Whatever you're gonna, whatever you're gonna throw at me, I'm here for it, and I'm with you, and I'm holding your hand, and we're a team. Like, isn't that the greatest part of relationship? Is you're a team. Yeah. It's whatever happens out there, you've got this together, and that's beautiful. I think we forget that. We forget like we're on the same side. Yeah. So good. Mike. Yeah. I mean, I think the most. No, I mean, there's a lot of really nice things said, but. Romance, at least in our relationship, the most romantic thing that I think I can do and that certainly what Bianca has done is working on ourselves for each other. Mm. Like when I see Bianca doing really hard work, whether it be with a therapist or meditate or something, uh, go for a walk when I know she's in that mood when I have to, as she put it, run into the fire. Um, all, all the things I know, I know she's not doing that just for her. She's doing that for the sake of my daughter and for, uh, for me. Um, and I do a lot of, a lot of bullshit that I don't want to do. Not honestly, not, I wouldn't, I never did it single. I never did it in another relationship. I, I bite the bullet and I do it because I know it will bring me closer to her. Mm. And so it's all the all the hard work that you put into yourself, it's like, uh, it's like the, um, it's like the, you know, building your fort stronger um, instead of being out in the battlefield next to someone, you're, you're at, you're back at the fort, you're, you're, you're building, adding more brick and mortar. Uh, you're not, you're doing it for the betterment of, of everyone involved, you know, and it may not seem like it in that initial sense. You would like that person maybe right next to you, you know, mm. hunkering down in the foxhole, but in the long run, you, everyone's working together. You're working on yourself to help the, You're the royal we. creating the home for them to come home to. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and, and you got to create that home emotionally too, emotionally and psychologically that, that it's not just about, it's not just about the the physical romance and how I can get Bianca to be more into me sexually and all those things are all those things are super important. But I, I think the real romance is like when I know I know she's doing something, some type of therapy or 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 really admitting to things. And when we go to couple therapy, like diving into topics and admitting things that I know she doesn't want to do it. 
but she's doing it for the for the greater good and that right. that to me is like the biggest sign because i've seen such a dramatic change in her in the last two years has been that 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 has been the ultimate sign of, of romance to me we do this um i'm in a meisner program it's an acting method for those who don't know um and there's this really beautiful exercise that we do it's kind of the foundation of meisner it's called repetition and you stand um apart from each other face to face eye to eye and you just say what you see in the other person. So I would say glowing, and you would say glowing, and I would say glowing, and you would say glowing, and then tell something changes and you see something else. And this is really powerful exercise because how often do we just stand with each other face to face and really just say what we see? But something kind of remarkable happened for me about six months into the program because if somebody said something and you didn't feel like that was what you were feeling, so if someone said, you know, embarrassed. And I was like, I'm, you know, you can say back, I'm not embarrassed. But I found that the bigger growth for me as an actress happened when I accepted what they said and said it back, even if I didn't necessarily feel that it was true and what that did inside of me. And I feel like the same is true for relationship, that sometimes if you can just accept what someone is saying and maybe even repeat it back to them to, to show them that you heard, um, it doesn't mean that you're losing yourself when you agree or or are open to what somebody else is saying. It's just another point of connection. And I feel like, especially in today's world with all the crazy politics going on and everything happening where we're so on our side, at least we can maybe begin in our relationships to understand that hearing somebody and letting what they say land instead of coming up defensive, is really the most beautiful form of connection and growth. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Our yeah. pleasure. Oh, my goodness. This Our pleasure. So I'm sure we're going to have, like, awesome. some huge fight tonight, and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, God. relationship experts. Don't worry. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you guys this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, listen to this. This is going to solve all your problems. So before I let you guys go, I asked you both when you were both on the podcast before, and um, I, I want to know maybe if your answers have changed or maybe they haven't. Um, the question is, what do you radically love and how do you feel radically loved? Mike, you go first. What do I radically love? Uh, my family. I really do. I don't, I don't love anything like I love Bianca and I love our daughter, Magnolia. Um, and the reason I know that, and I, it, it's obviously it sounds cliche, like who wouldn't say that? But the reason I know that is because it helped me love everything else around me. Like that, that type of love, it got me. I remember when I, I, I've been living in Venice like 10 years now. And I remember when I first moved to Venice, it's uh, for those people who are listening outside the Los Angeles area, Venice Beach is, if not the capital of homelessness, it's up there, you know, it's, it's up there with New York City and, and, uh, and Berkeley, you know, these places where the percentage of population of Venice Beach that's homeless is staggering and it's, it's heartbreaking. So you get used to seeing a lot of homeless people, a lot of these homeless people uh, mentally ill. When I first moved to Venice, um, I was a single man and I would look at it as, as like some kind of inconvenience. There was broken glass in the street, oh, son of a bitch. 
what did it, and uh, I see this person walking aimlessly through the street and I have to drive around him and it was an inconvenience to me. I never looked at it. And now I see it as, as, as something heartbreaking. I see someone on the, on the side of the street or someone walk, aimlessly walking through traffic. Uh, it's not an inconvenience to me. I, I take time to, to really think about, oh my gosh, this person has one shot at life and they have to live it like this. And, and that's only based on the fact of me having my wife and my daughter. And it's, it's revamped the way I look at humanity as a whole. So that's how I look at it as being radically loved because it, it gives it back to me in like a radical way. Mm. So. Thank you. Yeah. Well, there was a second part too, right? How do you... Oh, I think he, well, to me, I feel like he answered that. Okay. How do you feel radically loved? That was good listening on my part. Love? I did great listening there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I feel it, 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 my, you know, there, the thing about, it's easy, our daughter's four. So for her to be vulnerable, it takes no effort. That's all she knows. I mean, she doesn't even understand posturing, so... Um, but you know, that's the, to me, uh, she's so effortlessly vulnerable. And then my wife too, is when she shows her vulnerability is like, that's how I know, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a safe place. You know, I feel very embraced. I feel loved, you know, I feel comfortable because there's a, I deal with it, especially in the entertainment industry, you deal with people constantly on guard, constantly putting up a very carefully crafted veneer and, and this armor that, uh, they, they put around themselves. Um, so to come to a place where you, you just know that that armor is gone, it doesn't exist. Um, it's nice, fluffy, cushy skin. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, that's how I feel loved, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I radically love connection. I mean, obviously I love my family. That is, but for, for another different answer, I, I radically love connection. And I feel like in pursuit of connection is how I, I radically love myself. And how do you feel radically loved? Oh, and how do I feel radically loved? Um, with honesty. Whether it's whether it's feels good or bad, I, I really genuinely appreciate honesty. And I feel like if there is honesty, then I don't have to guess. Yeah. For the people that are listening, where can they reach you guys for relationship advice <laughs> or for more questions where can they go uh i'm at miss kylick and that's m-i-s-s-k-a-j-l-i-c-h and uh, i'm at mike catherwood on both twitter and instagram and so those links will be on the show notes so if you guys have extra questions after you listen to this um, hopefully they answered all of your relationship questions mm. <laughs> um, thank you guys both so much for doing this I'm thank so you for excited. having us it's our pleasure I can't it's wait awesome. to have you guys on again yay hey everyone I hope you enjoyed this episode I am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta subscribe on iTunes write a review We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening. Is there something missing in your life? Is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming? So many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied, overwhelmed, tired, and desperate for a deeper connection, but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life. Join us this spring at the Dunsky Castle in Scotland for seven days of yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, all focusing on finding your life's purpose. 
During our time together, we will learn how and when to take action, how to lead from our heart and not our head, how to break up with our inner critic for good, and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life. For more information, go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at subject Scotland. We'll see you soon.